Is that you, Joe Fredericks? Matthew Baxi. What are you doing down here in Bucks? Uh, well, I came down to pick up some work gloves. Nice. Can't find mine, of course. And uh, walk past the fishing aisle. There you are. <laughs> what are the odds you'd find me in the fishing aisle? Well, it's not the first time, and it won't be the last. Actually, check this out. Laker Taker I got my eye on. Some kind of lake trout spoon for early fishing in May, you know, right after the ice comes out. Oh, you think and that, that may be on right now? I think so. I've just never seen that spoon down here at Bucks. And, you know, they got all kinds of tackle, getting the nets out. I mean, it's like the seasons are changing. They're changing down here, too. In fact, they got all the plants out front. The greenhouse is rocking out there. The tomato starters, like... It's full-on spring going into summer down here. Well, I would assume the first thing you would have mentioned were all those live bait tanks behind you. Right. Yeah, minnows here, of course. I mean, this is what uh, we often come down to Bucks for, for fishing, is to get bait, you know, and tackle and stuff, too. But you're getting some gloves, you said, because they've got more than fishing stuff at Bucks. It's a hardware store. they got automotive, lawn and garden, stuff for inside gas. You pay at the pump. They've got... Wonderful staff. James, always talking fishing with us. Some of the crew down there are so helpful, all of them. You can also find more about the store online, bucks.store. Well, as a matter of fact, located right in the center of Grand Marais, it's pretty convenient whenever you got to pass through town, which we do on the daily, to swing in and get what you need. As a matter of fact, the day before we left for this trip we're about to hear about on today's episode, I swung in here and got a new pair of rubber boots for that cold water that just melted a few days ago. Right. Bucks Hardware, located downtown Grand Marais, right off Highway 61. Check them out. This is the WTIP Boundary Waters Podcast. This is the wilderness that Dave and I were both introduced to as kids. You know, our first wilderness camping experience were in the Boundary Waters. And in summer, you wake up, you swim through the lake, you have breakfast, then you can relax, you can go paddling, you can go hiking. We've done this trip before to Horseshoe Lake, and I remember catching walleye there before. I went on a canoe trip in the Boundary Waters. And it's, it was really cool. It was my first time. The route from Ram Lake back to Poplar Lake with, with no packs, with, with only a day pack, uh, we take it in one day. Well, you can look to Venus, you can look to Mars. I will set my sights by the northern star and in the deep dark blue come the northern lights. Oh, and in the deep dark blue come the northern lights. Welcome to episode 90 of the WTIP Boundary Waters Podcast. I'm Matthew Bexley. I'm Joe Fredericks. It's a miracle that Tascam is even working right now after everything it's been through. It's good to be here and it's good to be holding this device which has been with us on many perilous journeys into the Boundary Waters and it survived its biggest test on the fishing opener this year. You're going to hear all about it in today's episode. A little bit of a roller coaster for us, and maybe it'll be a roller coaster for you listening to the journey we just went on. But I think it's safe to say that now more than ever, we're grateful to have you, our listeners, to come along on the journey with us and still be going on the journey.
here we are. Boundary Waters 2023. This is Eric Dickus from Omaha. We're heading in Baker Lake, EP39. I was heading in with Joe Fredericks, Matthew Baxley, K-Man Kramer. We had the epic fishing opener planned. Coming together for this trip, there was a lot of excitement. And getting out here on the lake, there was a lot of excitement. So we get to the entry point, and we get our bags packed, and we get going. And we're just eager to get in. Starting from the entry point at Baker, it was obvious that the water was really high. The ice had just melted. So this K-Man Kramer. This is the first time all four of us have done a trip together. I had just met Eric less than 24 hours prior. And, uh, you know, I had known Matthew and, and, and Joe for years. But it was, a, it was the first trip of the year, and we get to the first portage uh, around some heavy flowing rapids. And, uh, you know, I could tell before we even got off on the portage that the water was high and that those rapids were running way higher than they usually are. Falls were shooting, and I had been in here years before on fishing opener too and had seen these rapids of course you have to portage up it there's no way you could paddle up the rapids but i was going on about how i ran down the rapids coming out on my way out in my solo canoe so anyway we're looking at these rapids okay here we go let's get around the first portage and by then came in and matthew had caught up to us and we're all on the portage there's a tree down so dickus gets a saw and takes out this tree that was blocking the portage and did my hand in that water it was cold cold water we unload the canoe it's me and joe together matthew and k-man are together me and joe carry the packs over and the canoe and the gear we're at the top of short portage still excitement flowing through our veins water's moving on top of that water on top of that rapids you could hear the rapids from far away all that snow melt, all that ice. There's a flowage between each of these chain of lakes that make up the, you know, essentially the headwaters of the Temperance River, flowing out of north and south Temperance through this chain of lakes and on its way to Lake Superior. What is normally a relatively calm set of rapids was a very loud, booming, um frothy drop of white water that went the duration of the portage probably over a hundred yards a couple hundred yards joe and eric had had all their gear up top and and matthew and i had one more load to bring up the portage and joe and eric we didn't know if they were gonna get out ahead of us or if they were gonna wait for us but uh you know, we all know what we're doing, so we just said if Joe and Eric get ahead of us, no big deal. So uh, Matthew and I go back down to get our last load. And we get the canoe loaded up. I hop in the front. Joe gets in the back. We hop in the canoe. And we push off the shore. There's a stump in the middle of this entryway onto the river. And we went to the right of it, and it pushed us right. And I knew right away when we were out there, that water was moving faster than it looked. A lot of volume going through there. 
I remember hearing Joe say, go left, go left. Dig, dig. So I dug with all my might. Joe's digging with all his might. I could, I know he was. Canoe was moving. And within a split second, the canoe turned left and, and capsized. We're working on kind of strapping in some paddles and getting things secured in the canoe so we can portage it across the portage. And um, all of a sudden, Matthew's head kind of tilts like he heard something, kind of like when a dog hears one of those dog whistles. And I, I, I'm looking at Matthew like, what, what do you hear? Because I, I didn't hear anything. And he, he, uh, he heard something unusual, apparently. And then all of a sudden we hear just kind of a little bit more rustling, and then all of a sudden, on the other end of the portage, I hear the most frantic and scared scream for help that I've ever heard in my life. And it still gives me goosebumps. And I think Cayman and I were kind of talking, but I don't remember what we were saying because my attention was focused on the sounds that I was hearing up the portage and essentially up the flowage. And I registered with me that it sounded like Joe and Dickus were actually shooting the rapids. And in my mind, I thought to myself, God, it would be ridiculous if those guys just decided to shoot those rapids for fun and come down and then portage back up again just because they're so excited. And I, and I heard the banging around in the water and I heard, actually heard a sound that sounded like a voice like almost like a loud yelp or something. But I just couldn't make sense of what I was hearing and it didn't really register as anything that would actually be happening. And this all happened in a matter of seconds. And then right away, I heard Joe's voice yelling at the, the loudest I've ever heard Joe yell and the most desperate sound to his voice, the words help. So now we're in the water, and I'm grabbing at the canoe, trying desperately. I'm skidding with my feet on the bottom against the force of the temperance. It's just impossible to even have any sort of footing, but I can hit the bottom right there, I'm trying to turn the canoe over with all my force, but I'm getting now pulled down river, and I'm holding the canoe no chance to turn it to upright it it's it's turned over and i'm holding the canoe getting pulled fast down the river and with all this force i suddenly smash into a log a tree that had fallen into the river and i hit it hard and the i had let go of the canoe it jarred the canoe continued and now i'm pinned against a log and I can't touch the bottom so I'm getting wanting to get pulled down under it under this log but I'm pinned up against it the force of the river is so strong behind me now that I can't move I can't even if eventually maybe would have pulled me under but I'm just pinned in there and all this force of the water 
rushing up behind me. In my mind, the canoe was gone. The packs were lost. Everything's gone. It's ahead of me. There's no way I'm going to catch it or save it. I remember passing Joe, and Joe, he's on the right side. I'm on the left side of these rapids. I remember Joe saying he's pinned. <laughs> I remember that. I remember going down the, the rapids because there's no stopping it. It's moving. And I grab a cedar tree, and I stop, and I pull myself up out of the rapids. I don't know what's going on. It's nervous, scary, cold, wet. I look up and I see Joe pinned against the log on the right side of the rapids and water pouring over his shoulders. And I saw his eyes. Had his hat on still, glasses on still, life jacket, and water just pouring over his shoulders. And he wasn't moving. And this water's moving, but he's just standing still against the log. Water's well above his chest. And I felt helpless at that moment. My friend's out there, freezing water temperature, stuck against the log, and I couldn't do nothing. I'm on the wrong side of the river. I'm looking at the water. I yell, help, help Joe. And immediately I just started running up the portage and K-Man was right behind me. We didn't even say anything. We just started running up the portage. And while we were running up the portage, I heard Eric Dickus yell help from downstream. And I stopped and I said, okay, man, I'll, you go help Dickus. I'm going to help Joe. So K-Man turned around and ran back down the portage in the direction of Eric Dickus's voice. And I kept going up the portage and I heard... Joe yelling from through the woods in the direction of the flowage. I'm pinned. And I heard Dickus yell from downstream, help Joe. And I started cutting from the portage through the woods towards the flowage in the direction of Joe's voice and I as I cut started into the woods I actually it's not very thick it's not very far and I, I looked up and I saw for a brief second I saw Joe and I could just make make out that he was up against something facing downstream you know I only saw basically like his arms and his head but water was kind of coming over his shoulders. They weren't underwater, but it was kind of the wa the the force of the water was hitting the you know his upper back and his shoulders and coming splashing up and over his shoulders. And I just I just saw him for a second. Matthew heads in through the woods to go check on Joe. I run down the portage back to the base of the rapids to check on Eric Dickus. When I get down there. All I see is a bunch of submerged canoe. I see a submerged canoe and a bunch of submerged portage packs floating around below the rapids. And no sign of anybody just yet. I get a little bit further around the corner and I see Eric Dickus crawling out of the rapids uh, in a daze. He doesn't look seriously injured, but he's in shock. 
and he's in some extremely cold water. And we're like, I just yell, Eric, get, get out of the water, get up on land. I know you're soaking wet, but it's sunny out. You know, at least I know he's not gonna, he's not gonna go hypothermic right away. So my goal is to find out where Joe is. So in this moment now, I'm faced with the reality that I'm pinned against this log and I'm, I've got a lot, the force of the river holding me there and I'm going to either get pulled under and maybe drown or something needed to change here, obviously. I knew this was now a very critical situation and I have this awareness of, of this and Eric briefly looks up he's down river now he's floated past and grabbed onto a branch and got to shore on the other side of the river and he looks up at me and I just remember that my face to him probably said that I was helpless in this position that I'm in and he wasn't able to come back he couldn't swim up to me there's no way he could get up that river and so I was in this helpless spot but I just had to do something it was either I was gonna let the river take me down and that that was that or I was gonna get out of that spot so now it's I'm here and Eric can't get to me and Matthew and the K-Man don't know in my mind that, that this is even occurring so I gotta get out of this I'm pinned this is it what's gonna go on how, how what's gonna happen next so with every ounce of strength that I had in my body and mind and all of that, I, I grabbed the top of the log and shoved myself up. And I'm wearing my winter boots, like really heavy, waterproof, winter-type boot, and push up. I somehow was able to push up off the log just enough that I could start to kind of turn but my legs are wanting to go under and I'm trying to come up and over and so I'm kind of now sandwiched almost I'm I'm like make the letter C just like sandwiched in there and then I but I'm up I'm now I'm up on top of the log and I lift my legs somehow with all those heavy boots and all that force and spun I did a spin off the log and got swept down and now I'm floating right then Matthew came crashing out of the brush and he saw me floating I'm right there and he was looking downstream and didn't appear as though he knew I was there and I yelled Joe swim this way and he heard I I yelled loud and he looked over his shoulder and saw me and reached up kind of in that same moment as he saw me and grabbed an alder and he was legs downstream face up and he grabbed that alder and kind of rolled onto his belly and found his ground and was able to pull himself out of the water and I was headed towards him as he was headed towards me at this point kind of struggling to get out of the current and up onto higher ground with the water rushing around his legs and then his knees and his ankles as he came closer to me. And he said, Help Dickus. 
when I said, K-Man's down there, are you okay? And then he just said, go get the gear. And I said, I'll go get the gear, but are you okay? And he said, yes. And then I said, are you hurt? And there was a long pause. And he said, go get the gear. I thought, well, I'm going to get out into the river. Our, Matthew and I still had a canoe down on the lower end of the portage, so I hop in the canoe in the middle. It's a tandem canoe, but I, I hop in the middle because I'm going to go solo, and I'm just going to go out so that I can see up the rapids and see what's going on. And uh, there's still a lot of yelling and screaming coming from the woods. It's just chaos. I don't know. I really don't know yet what happened. I hop in the canoe. By this time, I see Eric across the river in shock, kind of stumbling around on the shoreline. And uh, I tell him to, to get to shore. And by this time... Matthew had run back down the portage, and I said, is Joe okay? And I really didn't hear an answer, but but this time, I just I just paddled back to the end of the portage and pick up Matthew, and Joe's there, but he looks like he's in shock. I've never seen him like this. We're asking him if he's okay, and he's not. He's just kind of staring off into space in a state of shock, and so we just tell him to sit down, grab some water, take some deep breaths, because we still have Eric Dickus on the other side of the river, soaking wet, just crawled out of freezing cold water. So we got to get Eric Dickus. So we sit Joe down. Matthew and I hop back in the canoe. But meanwhile, our gear is submerged. A canoe is upside down, floating away down the river. And then all the emotions hit what just happened that I think I'm okay. Joe made it to shore. And what's going on now? A lot of emotions hit me at that moment. I got angry. Um, I wasn't cold at all. I still just stood in the water. The water should have been, now that I've touched the water and I've been out, this water's freezing, but I stood in that water and I wasn't cold at all. All the adrenaline flowing through my body was keeping me warm. And I saw the packs in the canoe way down stream of the lake. I'm looking at the water. Should I jump in and try to swim across? I just stood there. So many things going through my brain. I was in complete shock. Soaking wet. Waders full. And... Yeah, I heard K-Man tell me to get to shore, dry off. And I was more angry with what just happened so fast. It happened so fast in a split second. I don't know how long this whole ordeal lasted. To me, it was slow motion the whole time. Me tipping over, me going under, me floating down the, the rapids. Joe saying he's pinned. Joe stuck there yelling for, yelling for help, not knowing if he's going to get help. If nobody got to him, he was going to die. I'm damn sure of that. And I'm very sure of that. He wasn't going to make it. And there was no way 
that I could have got over there to help him in the, any amount of time to save him. And having that powerlessness feeling is uh, eye-opening. When I got down to the start of the portage, I saw a K-man in the, in the canoe on the water. And I said, asked him if Dickus was okay, and he said yes. And I said, come get me, we'll get the gear. He came back, and we hopped in the canoe, and we paddled out, and I saw Eric Dickus out on the other side of the bottom of the rapids, standing in the water as we started paddling towards the gear, and I yelled to Dickus to get out of the water and keep yourself warm. We're going to get the gear, and we'll come back and get you. And we got the gear, and came in, and I didn't talk other than, you know, the words that needed to be spoken to pull the wet, a couple of bags out of the water. The canoe was upside down, submerged. We talked to pull the canoe closer to shore, couldn't get on shore, so we started to work on uprighting the canoe, and there were two dry bags that were in the canoe upside down so we had to get the dry they were too heavy the canoe was too heavy to upright until we got the bags out so we got the bags out then we were able to get them in our canoe K-Man did the bulk of this work while I kept us and the our canoe and their canoe sort of stable we were able to get the canoe righted back in the water and we paddled back towards the portage it's all there getting the stuff and yeah Eric they went and got Eric and I'm just I, I did some bending and like touched tried to touch my toes as much as I could and got my life jacket off and twist kind of twisted my torso and reached my arms up and I, I was able to do all the movement that I would want to do without excruciating pain. It hurt, but it wasn't unbearable at all. So I was thinking, jeez, this is madness and very frightening. But I, I think there's a, maybe we can continue on. I'm starting to have those thoughts already. And and Eric, then the three of them come paddling up in the one canoe and they got the other one in tow and or they'd actually come and drop the one canoe off. But they got Eric now, and they get up, and, and that's when it really hit me how how close it was, was when Eric and came up and burst into tears. and I saw Joe, saw his face, and, uh, yeah, I started bawling. I started bawling when I saw Joe, gave him a hug, because, uh, Seeing that guy like that looking at me. And I don't even know if he's looking at me. He was looking my direction. I was scared for him. And uh, it was just good to see him okay. I was happy. I was happy. Very sad, though. Scariest moment I ever had with being that close to losing somebody. So we had a, we all took a breath. We, I don't remember what was said, but we exchanged some words. Uh, I think we all 
I got a little choked up just coming down from the adrenaline and Dickus got choked up and I don't see Joe get real emotional very often but I saw some tears in Joe's eyes and saw that look on his face that he told me that that was real close. We all just sort of shared that moment of understanding how close that was to being really bad. And I remember I thanked Joe for fighting for himself in the water. And got himself loose and we kind of got back to business. We got the canoes all back up to the end of the portage. <laughs> all our gear after we did what we needed to do to dry stuff out as best as could get water weight out of everything. And then we had to problem solve how to not let that happen again. Well, now we got to figure out how to get off this portage because the water's still really swift through there and the path that Joe and Eric took initially obviously wasn't the right route, but there was no way to bushwhack any further upstream. So we had to find a way to get out in away from these rapids. We ended up kind of scouting, Matthew and I go out in a canoe and kind of scout out the area. Ended up moving some logs and some debris, river debris out of the way. Found a route through there and, uh, and managed to load up our canoes and, and get through that route safely around the rapids. And, uh, and we ended up continuing the trip. And I got to be honest with you, it, it ended up, we ended up salvaging a really awesome trip. But, but wow, what an experience and uh, scariest, close to a fatality as I've ever experienced in my 30 years of, uh, of coming up into the wilderness. You always hear people, wear your life jacket, wear your life jacket. People, you, I see them canoeing by here today. No life jacket, no life jacket, but it's no joke. That cold water is real. The accidents are real. And, you know, you come up here to get away from the city, to get away from things, but in all reality, you want to get back. You know, that's the main thing. You want to get back. You come up here to get a little peace of mind, clear your head, to make it back to see your family. That's what we're here for. And maybe share this little piece of beauty with other people. If you ain't around, you can't do it. And here I am, standing in the boundary waters, talking about it. Feeling very, very fortunate for that too. Because it was as close as one needs to ever tread to that line. <laughs>